as a reminder, especially to those of you who are members of Veritas Church, and especially in this time where we are physically separated, let's take advantage of technology and let's stay as connected as we possibly can. For my part, I will continue to post uh, sermons and announcements and devotions to CCB and our website, YouTube and Facebook. In his letter to the Ephesians, the Apostle Paul wrote, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. That is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 16 through 18a. It seems to me that Christians today are hard-pressed to find an activity that is more personally difficult and more easily obstructed than prayer. Here are some common statements. I don't know how to pray. I would, but I'm just not good at it. I hear other people pray, but I'm not good at it. I can't do it. Or, I've given up on praying because God doesn't answer me. Or, I'm in bad shape right now. I'm too far from God. I can't face Him right now. It's been so long since I've prayed, I wouldn't know what to say. Or cynical questions like, what is the point of praying if God already knows everything? Or, what is the point of praying if God has already decided what's going to happen? It's not like prayer is going to change anything. And then perhaps the most enduring objection, I don't have time to pray. I'm too busy. That's not a new challenge, by the way. Thomas Brooks in 1665 devoted an entire chapter in his book on private prayer to busyness in Christians as an excuse not to pray. So many hindrances to prayer. And yet, we don't throw in the towel. We don't give up. We feel as Christians compelled to pray. We want to pray. We feel guilty when we don't pray. The English pastor J.C. Ryle, writing in the 19th century, said, Prayer is to faith what breath is to life. How a man can live and not breathe is past my comprehension. And how a man can believe and not pray is also past my comprehension. Do you pray as automatically as you breathe? 
Do you believe prayer is as important to your soul as breathing is to your body? I bet many of you do. And yet, our behavior betrays our beliefs. Well, like all parts of the Christian life, we grow by hearing and applying the truth of the Word of God. And so today, let's begin a biblical study of prayer that God willing will carry on in the weeks to come. For those of you who are taking notes and would like to know where this sermon is going, you could divide it into two sections, understanding prayer and practicing prayer. We will look into the Bible's doctrine of prayer and then consider the application of that doctrine. But first, before I get on to preaching on prayer, I should pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this time now for me to consider your word and to think about what it means to pray. And I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit, fill me, help me to understand your word and even now to preach your word. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you have a Bible on your lap. If you do, open it to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18. And let's first look to understand prayer. Ephesians 2, verse 18. For through Him, that is Jesus, for through Him we both, that is Gentiles and Jews, we both through Jesus have access in one spirit to the Father. Through Jesus, we are granted access to God. Think about that. Through Jesus, we are granted access to God. Through Jesus, we have been given permission to approach God. This is explained in the verses just before. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 through 16, Paul writes, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We were far off, but we have now been brought near to God. How have we been brought near to God? By the blood of Christ. This is the good news of the gospel. That Jesus came, He lived, He suffered, He died. He rose from the dead in the place of sinners like you and like me. So that sinners could be reconciled to God. So that sinners could have access to God. The good news is that we, through Jesus, have been brought to God. Verse 16, And 
talking about the work of Jesus, might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. There was hostility between us and God. There was distance between us and God. We once were far off from God, but through Jesus, specifically the blood of Jesus, we have been brought near. We have been reconciled to God. Before you became a Christian, that is, before you believed the gospel and put your faith in Jesus, there was a gate that was closing off access to God. And imagine a big sign on that gate that read, no trespassing. Closed. No entry. No access. In the Old Testament, this was symbolized in the temple by the curtain that separated the room where man could be from the room where God's presence was. And so when Jesus died, we're told in Matthew 27:51, the temple curtain was torn in two, symbolizing that God's people had been granted access to God. No longer far off, no longer separated, no longer at hostility, but granted access to God. And so now, for those of us who are believers, Ephesians 6, 18, through Jesus, we have access to the Father. Because of Jesus, we have been forgiven and cleansed of the sins held against us. And we have been given His righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21 And we are thus granted access to the Father. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, There is one God, and there is one mediator between man and God, and that mediator is the man, Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus, Hebrews 4.16, we can with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And according to Hebrews 7.25, we draw near to God through Jesus. So the sign to heaven, the sign to God has been changed. It now reads open. It now reads welcome. It now reads access granted. Now, if you have access to me, which is not near as big a deal as having access to God, but if you have access to me, what does that fundamentally mean? It means that you can approach me, 
and speak to me. If you have access to me, if I am accessible to you, that means that you are free to approach me and to speak to me. Do you know the special word used to describe approaching and speaking to God? Prayer. This is a big deal. This cannot be underestimated. We have been granted access to God. So as we're looking to understand prayer, let me give you a very simple definition. Prayer is Christ-enabled conversation with God. Prayer is Christ-enabled conversation with God. John Knox wrote, Prayer is an earnest and familiar talking with God. And Thomas Goodwin wrote, Our speaking to God by prayers and His speaking to us by answers thereunto is one great part of our walking with God. Prayer is a conversation with God. At a sweet and shallow level, this looks like thanking and praising and petitioning God throughout the day. Out loud or in your heart. At a deeper level, this conversation becomes communion with God. Communion is not a word we use much, but communion means intimate communication. So through prayer, we may personally and intimately encounter God. In Isaiah 64, 7, prayer is described as taking hold of God. Tim Keller gives this definition. Prayer is continuing a conversation that God has started through His Word and His grace, which eventually becomes a full encounter with Him. And John Bunyan, in one of his works on prayer, gives this description. Prayer is the opener of the heart of God. And a means by which the soul, though empty, is filled. It is a sincere, sensible, affectionate, pouring out of the heart or soul to God through Christ in the strength and assistance of the Holy Spirit for such things as God has promised or according to His Word for the good of the church with submission in faith to the will of God. Again, put simply, prayer is Christ-enabled conversation with God. Now, with that basic understanding of prayer, let's move on now to the actual practice of prayer. God willing, in weeks to come, we will think, far and wide about prayer. But at this point, 
let's pour something very important into the foundation as we think now about the practice of prayer. And it's found in Romans chapter 8, in verse 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit is as necessary as Jesus to get us to God in prayer. By Christ, we are given access to God. By the Holy Spirit, we are given assistance. This was also stated in the verse we read before in Ephesians 2.18. For through Him, we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. Thomas Watson said, Prayer is the key of heaven. The Spirit helps faith to turn the key. And so we follow Paul's lead in Ephesians 6.18 where he calls us to pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Bottom line. Bottom line, we need the Holy Spirit's help in prayer. We've been granted access to God through Jesus Christ so that we can pray. But still, in order to take up the task of prayer, we need the assistance of the Holy Spirit. We are totally dependent on His help. All those obstacles that I mentioned at the beginning of this sermon and the many more obstacles, it is only with the Holy Spirit's help that we can and will overcome them. And there are a thousand ways that the Holy Spirit helps us as we pray. And we'll cover more of them in the future. But God willing, let me give you now just three. You'll remember that if you've been following our sermon series on the Holy Spirit, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to help us understand God's Word. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit, it's described this way, is to open the eyes of our heart. It is to open the eyes of our mind. The Holy Spirit, who indwells the Christian, helps the Christian to understand God's words. So they're not just words on a page, but they're understandable. They're applicable. They're life-changing. This is what we're told in 1 Corinthians 2.12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. God has given us many things 
but we only understand what God has given us by the help of the Holy Spirit. So, to help us pray, here are three things the Holy Spirit helps us to understand. To help us pray, here are three things the Holy Spirit enables us to see. We need the Holy Spirit to, number one, see God. Number two, see ourselves. And number three, to see Christ. Life will give us everything else we need for prayer. Life will give us burdens and blessings and difficulty and gifts and trials and relationships and worries. But we need the Holy Spirit to enable us to see God, ourselves, and Jesus Christ. So number one, in order to pray, we must see God. The Holy Spirit helps us. Many people pray. It might even be true that most people pray, but few pray to God. Just about everywhere you go, you will find people that are trying to communicate with God in some way. And that's not surprising from a biblical perspective. We have been created, we're told, in God's image, which means that we have been designed to represent God. We have been designed to reflect God and to relate to God. And so we are all searching for him. According to Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, human beings need only to get outside to know that there is a God and we are accountable to him. And so people everywhere work with whatever knowledge they have, and if they believe it, they pray. As Christians, we have God's Word to correct and to clarify who it is that we are praying to. And the Holy Spirit helps us see God. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 2, 7 through 10. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So it is the Holy Spirit that helps us to see God, that helps us to know the God of the Bible whom we pray to. We're not praying to God's. We're not praying to some life force. We're not praying to someone who is blurry and unknown. We're not praying to something that we have invented. We are praying to the one true 
God. And the Holy Spirit has revealed to us and is revealing to us who God is. The significance of your prayer life. It does not hang on your abilities or your striving or your technique, but on your knowledge of God. And it is the Holy Spirit who helps us to see God. Number two, in order to pray, we must see ourselves and the Holy Spirit helps us. We can't be deluded about who we are. We must see our needs for what they are. We must see our gifts and our sins. We must see the ways that we might individually be broken. We must see our faults. We must see that we are helpless and dependent or we will never pray to God. The Holy Spirit helps us. John 16, 8. And when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Or Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, specifically the Spirit, according to verse 7. This is talking about the Spirit. Spirit, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a plea. It's a plea to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help me to see myself. Search me. Lift up every rock. You know everything there is to know about me. Show me my sin. Show me my fault. Show me my brokenness. Show me how it is that I need God. Show me how helpless I am. Show me how dependent I am. Listen, if we have an inflated view of ourselves, we will never pray to God. It is someone who is desperate to praise to God. Some of you Christians know this. That the best thing that God has done for your prayer life is to make you desperate. He's brought a difficult situation into your life. He's handed you over to sin. He has struck you with sickness or suffering. And it has opened your eyes to how much you always needed God but had forgotten. One author writes this about prayerlessness when we don't pray and what that means. He says, prayerlessness is the most subtle disclosure of our independence from God and is our depraved heart's own declaration of sovereignty. And so we need we need the Holy Spirit to search us and to bring to light our helplessness before God. Paul Miller, in his book, A Praying Life, he writes, 
We are often so busy and overwhelmed that when we slow down to pray, we don't know where our hearts are. We don't know what troubles us. So, oddly enough, we might have to worry before we pray. Then our prayers will make sense. They will be about our real lives. And so, it is by God's grace, by the Holy Spirit, that He helps us to see ourselves our needs, and our helplessness before God. Now, all three of these that we're going over, they are important. And all three relate to one another. For example... If the Holy Spirit were to only illuminate God the Holy One and you the sinful one, then we would despair and we would never go to God in prayer. Let me say that again. If the Holy Spirit were to only help us to see God the Holy One and us the sinful one, then we would despair we would fear. We would run and turn away from God. Our old sinful nature has an allergic-like reaction to the presence of God. And so we need the Holy Spirit to shine a floodlight on Christ. Which thankfully, you'll remember, is His primary ministry. It is at the core of his ministry in the Christian to shine the floodlight on Christ. We need the Holy Spirit to help us see God. We need the Holy Spirit to help us see ourselves. And now, number three, in order to pray, we must see Christ. The Holy Spirit helps us. We need to see Christ so that we will, through faith and by the Spirit, run to God in prayer and not away from Him in guilt and shame. So that we won't hide from Him, like Adam and Eve in the garden. But so that we will run to Him. We need to see Christ so that we will not be driven away from God, but so that we will be driven to Him. Through Christ, we have become a child of God. You were not born a child of God. Not everyone is a child of God. Everyone is a creation of God. But through Jesus Christ, Christian, we have become a child of God. He is our forgiving and patient and loving Father. And to God as our Father, we pray. And it is the Holy Spirit that reminds us of Christ and His Gospel, which drives us to God in prayer. Jesus Himself said, 
in John 15, 26. But when the Helper comes, and he was talking about the Holy Spirit, but when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about Me. In other words, the Holy Spirit will come and indwell the Christian and the Holy Spirit will constantly remind the Christian who Jesus is and what He has done and who He is to the Christian. He will shine a floodlight on Jesus. He will bear witness about Jesus, which is exactly what we need help with after we've seen God and we've seen our own sin so that we would not run away from Him, but run to Him in prayer. John Bunyan was keenly aware of this. And he understood what it was like to see God and to see himself and to need the Spirit's help to look to Christ. Otherwise, he would turn away from Jesus. In 1660, John Bunyan, the English pastor, was arrested in Bedford. And the crime that he had committed against the government was to hold unlawful meetings, which were worship services. He was forbidden to preach. He refused to comply, was thrown in jail, where he served two consecutive six-year sentences. While he was in prison, he wrote one of his greatest books, Pilgrim's Progress. He also wrote this. If men did see their sins, yet without the help of the Spirit, they would not pray. For they would run away from God with Cain and Judas and utterly despair of mercy were it not for the Spirit. When a man is indeed sensible of his sin and God's curse, then it is a hard thing to persuade him to pray. For his heart says there is no hope. It is in vain to seek God. I am so vile, so wicked, and so cursed a creature that I shall never be regarded. Now, he writes, now here comes the Spirit and stays the soul. Helps it to hold up its face to God by letting into the heart some small sense of mercy to encourage it to go to God and hence he is called the comforter. And so there is no man nor church in the world that can come to God in prayer but by the assistance of the Holy Spirit. In conclusion now, let me summarize. Let me summarize what we've learned. First, prayer is Christ-enabled conversation with God. Prayer is Christ-enabled conversation with God. 
And at one level, at a sweet and yet shallow level, this looks like thanking God and praising God and petitioning God throughout the day. Out loud or in your heart. At a deeper level, this conversation with God, prayer, at a deeper level, it becomes communion with God. And so, through prayer, we may personally and intimately encounter the living God. And second, the Holy Spirit is our great helper when we pray. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit. To grow in prayer, I wonder how many books you've read. I wonder how many Bible studies you've done. I wonder how many different practices you've employed. I wonder how many different techniques. I wonder how you've rearranged your day and your schedule and your routine all in an effort to grow in prayer. Isn't this perhaps the most important thing that you need to understand if you want to grow in prayer? And that is the Holy Spirit is our great helper when we pray. We need the Holy Spirit. He helps us to see God. He helps us to see ourselves. He helps us to see Christ. So may the Spirit of God help us even now, today, and in the days to come to have clearer and deeper insight into who God is, into who we are, and into who Jesus is, so that we would then draw near to Him freely, helplessly in prayer. Let's pray now. Father in heaven, thank you for this word. Teach us to pray. We pray that the Holy Spirit in us now would help us to see God for who He is, would help us to see ourselves for who we are, and that Your Holy Spirit would remind and help us to see who Jesus is, to look to Christ, so that then our lives would overflow with conversation with You, both throughout our day, at a shallow level, without ceasing, but that our conversation with You would also dip into a much deeper level where we would have intimate and personal encounters with You. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.